0: bismillahirrahmanirrahim As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuhu There are still Ripley's, believe it or not, museums in the world and a few days ago I passed one and There's a loudspeaker in front of it trying to draw you in. And it was talking about the lizard man who had had his entire entire body tattooed as a lizard. And he only had a little bit left to go. And he would be a lizard entirely. And I thought this was interesting. Uh, If you tattoo yourself in a certain way, You become the picture of what you want to be, and then somehow you become that, or at least they were indicating that he would become a lizard man. Uh, There are tattoo parlors all over the place. Uh, People put on themselves pictures, which sort of signify who they are. And that goes into this whole understanding in our society of uh, trying to identify who we are. From the time you're a little kid in America people come up to you and ask you, well what are you going to be when you grow up? And uh, usually kids answer something like a fireman or a policeman or a doctor or a lawyer or a president or 1,001 other things. Somehow we have gotten into our heads that you are what you do, or you are what you look like. Uh, You are something that's visible, that can be seen, that somehow you portray yourself as something. Imagine what it must be like for somebody who came from a culture far from this one, like uh, any immigrant who came from a culture that's very distinct from the American culture. And they brought with them all their identity clues and identity fixations and identity parameters that they covered themselves in and that they identified themselves with. Then they came here and they had a kid. And they sent their kid to public school. And this thousand years of culture that they came from, where everybody was like their parents, was like their parents, was like their parents, all of a sudden they have a child who's nothing like them, who speaks a different language than them, who doesn't accept what they tell them, who has no loyalty to all of the things that they knew that are now, by the way, shadows in their own head because they can't even see them anymore, because they've left that place, but as if it's as if they carried it with them here. There are people who come from other cultures, and when there are a group of them, they all gather together in small places, And they continue the culture. And some of them never leave the area because that's reality for them. And to step outside of that is to step outside of reality. In other words, this place that they've moved to isn't real. Everything that's going on here isn't real. They just happen to live here. But they've created a reality on their block and a half in Queens that's entirely as close as they could get it to where they came from. We need to think about identity. Because one of the first questions on this spiritual path is, who are you? And if you can't get a handle on who are you or who am I, If you can't get a handle on all of the various influences that impact you in that understanding, you're never going to get a handle on the reality of who you are. Now, the question comes to what do we identify with and how do we identify it? Uh, The simple identities are nation, culture, language, color, caste, creed, religion, race. What is the extent of our identification with each of these things? And how does this identification influence our life? Let me give you a severe example. A prophet comes and a prophet teaches about the relationship between man and God. And a prophet says that you have to establish this relationship with your Lord and sets forth to you by his example of being how that's done. The prophet disappears. People are left who don't have his insight, don't have his understanding, don't have his connection, but have a memory of how people acted when he was around, and have a memory of some of the rituals uh, that he used to perform now for him they might not have been rituals they might have just been the things that he did but for the next generation they become rituals because they become imitations of what the prophet did and then you get somebody who's very very loyal at least in their own mind to that prophet and they get into a position of power and they begin to believe things like everything the Prophet said was accurate and true. Everything that he did must be imitated. What he did is best for the people. We have to make sure that they continue to do it. And then interesting things begin to happen. Force enters into the situation to make people do what they think should be done for their own well-being. And this is a fanatical adherence to an opinion of who we're supposed to be, and not only a fanatical adherence to the self, but to everybody around us. And this fanaticism, even though it starts out with an intention of imitating or doing what a prophet or a person of stature did, begins to become controlling Uh, overbearing, intolerant, and abusive, and can lead to horrible, horrible, horrible uh, situations. We as individuals have the tendency to go overboard on things when we think they're positive. Uh, You can't get enough of a good thing. Um, We eat too much, we watch TV too much, we do so many things too much. We've been told that Islam is a middle path, a path of moderation and in that understanding of moderation is one of the keys to understanding who we are and what we are and how we should align our relationship with the world and with various things. We live in the world. We have to act in the world. We have to do things within the world. So, we do have to identify with certain things. The question is, what is the extent of that identification? And how important is that identification? And how far are we willing to take that identification? And how important is it to us that everybody else identify themselves the same way that we identify themselves? Do we need to isolate ourselves within a group who's just like us? Are we uncomfortable when we're with people who are different than the way we were brought up? Are we uncomfortable when we're with people who look like not us, who look different than us? Is there some kind of need within us to homogenize our surrounding? and to homogenize ourself with a surrounding. All of this comes down to an understanding that we are not what we appear to be. And can we see the larger arc of our existence, or are we stuck in viewing that which is apparent at this moment take your own life when you were 14 years old you had a certain world view and you had certain things that were very important to you when you were about 22 it changed dramatically after you got married it changed dramatically again after you had children it changed dramatically again as you enter old age it changes dramatically again. If we can just simply understand the different attitudes that we have in different times of our life towards our own existence, towards what's important to us, shouldn't we understand that that change is going to continue to occur and that change is constant while we're in this form and if change is constant we can't get too caught up in every in every manifestation that we pass through because in a lifetime you're going to pass through a lot of different manifestations. When They were debating how to set up this country in Philadelphia. The oldest one among them was Benjamin Franklin, and things were getting really, really difficult. And he said to them, we must all learn not to think too highly of our own opinions. We must all learn that we can't insist on our own point of view. The point being that when we were 14, we had a point of view. And when we were 22, we had a point of view. And when we were 35, we had a point of view. And if you're honest with yourself, you'll see, you've seen and you know that those points of view changed. The way you looked at things changed. Well, if that was a constant in our existence, if the way we saw things constantly changed, what makes us think that the way we see things now is the way it's going to be from now on? That kind of a tolerance with points of view and with opinions and with understandings is at the framework of moving forward in any kind of situation. Once everything becomes solidified, that moving forward can't happen. Bawa used to say that people who had the same point of view until their 40s, by the time they became 40, couldn't change it. And he compared it to concrete. He said, once you form concrete, you can't alter it. It shatters. We have to stay, even though our bones may become brittle, we have to stay not brittle in our thought patterns. We have to stay agile and flexible. Bawa compared it to the steel pot, which could be melted and reformed. We have to know the extent of what we don't know. And you see, it's that understanding of what we don't know that allows us to go forward. Because once the position is taken that we know, progress is over. I know that essentially means that I've reached a place of immutability. I've reached a place where change is no longer possible, where I am at an absolute position and situation. Only God is absolute. Everything before that is not During uh, each phase in our history, people thought they had an answer to the understanding of the world. Every 15 years now, we go through different understandings, different ideas. We need to be able to hold on to our ideas that we have at the moment and have the ability to. Allow the fact that we may not be at the absolute point of understanding. Tolerance is at the key to progress. Not only tolerance towards others, but tolerance towards the fact that new ideas are absolutely capable and are going to come to us. Until we've reached the point of no return, we don't know what that point is. Until we've become annihilated, we're still here. So if we're still conscious of ourselves, if we're still conscious of that separation, of that duality, then unity hasn't been reached. And as long as there's duality, there's further to go. That's a very simple, understandable framework for grasping the concept. Until unity has been reached, duality exists and continues to exist. There's still that separation. And as long as that separation exists, there's more to know. So, we have to be satisfied. One, that there's more to know, and then two, with the amount that we do know. We have to be grateful for what we've been given, as opposed to being ungrateful for what we don't have. It's all in a way of bouncing our point of view so that we come out in a place where there's peace in our being for the situation that we are now. Because in this dualistic situation, there's always the darkness and the light and the ability to choose one or the other. And if you choose to go towards that which is negative. You're going to be pulling yourself away from all of the possibilities of what can occur for you. There's so much that we have to be conscious of. There's so much of our own development that we have to be conscious of if we give up that consciousness if we just become robotic actors in this world our path will become predetermined and that is what people call fate or call destiny the point is that it only becomes that way when you become an actor who responds to all of the acts around you. If you can remove yourself from the influences of the acts around you, if you can remove yourself from the influences of what's going on day in and day out around you, different things are gonna begin to happen for you. But how do you do that? Do you become a victim to your circumstances? Do you become a victim to your surroundings? Do you become a victim to all of the opinions that you hear and all of the magnetisms that try to draw you into their dramas? Do you become a victim to the dramas that exist in life? Or can you somehow separate yourself from that? We can't take on everything. But what we can do is we can focus on God and know that that stays with us and in staying with us pulls us through to the next phase. If we have an incredible need to identify ourselves with something within this world, that means our faith is lessened because we're looking to the world support us. We're looking to the world to m- give us an identity as opposed to looking to God to give us an identity. It's a dilemma. How do you disidentify with the world and identify with God while you're living in the world? The solution for some people is to run off to a monastery and separate themselves from the world. But the path that we're on is not to run off to a monastery, to figure out how to do that within what's going on here. You see, there's a lie in a monastery. Because you don't see a lot of people, and it has a wall around it that it's somehow separate from the world. It is the world. Everywhere that you're in the world is the world, no matter what you call it. In a monastery, sometimes they don't talk. They take oaths of silence. Well, they don't stop thinking. To separate yourself is not going to happen because of your physical circumstances. To separate yourself from the world is going to happen because of internal understandings and internal attitudes and internal intentions. And we have to find the appropriate intentions. And we have to take those intentions inside of us. Those intentions, on a simplistic level, are that our focus and faith will not be altered by the circumstances that we find ourselves in. That was a pretty short explanation of an incredibly powerful concept. Our attitude, our faith, our understanding of things will not be altered by the circumstances that we find ourselves in and the circumstances that surround us. Can we actually believe that? Can we involve ourselves in that way? Can we identify ourselves in that way? <coughs> if we don't identify ourselves with the circumstances that surround us, if we don't identify ourselves with our physical surroundings, what do we identify ourselves with? Then we can get a better understanding of the answers to the question of who am I really. It's important that we do this. It's important that we're very conscious of the fact that every place that we go into, every action that we take part in, Everything that we associate ourselves with, everything that we come close to, we identify with. And we need to be able to look at those identities and cleanse ourselves of them. There's going to come a time when everything that we held sacred in this world is going to disappear for us. Can that time come before we're planted like a seed? Can that time come while we're still in this body? Can we disidentify ourselves with the world and identify ourselves with the Creator? And if we can, what is going to happen to us? How are we going to do it? Should we at least make that a priority in our existence? So in the path of truth towards the path to reality, we have to bypass this illusory world somehow. Now, part of the agreement that we all have is we're going to leave. The question is, can we leave before we're forced, and can we stay true to what we've been taught. May Allah help us get a grasp on this and an understanding of this, and may we identify with that which is permanent and that which is real, as opposed to everything that passes by. Ameen. As-salamu alaykum.